You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore that app. So I want to start off today, um, I had a thought. I'm still not exactly sure the best way to execute this. But with the amount of massive hemming and hawing, and and to be completely honest, just sort of um, negativity, I feel like, and again, there are certain things to be happy about, certain things to be upset about, certain things to be worried about. I'm, I'm not worried. I don't care about that. But I don't want to lose our frame of reference. I don't want to lose the big picture of what the Green Bay Packers are. Because, well, let me, like every day, give you an, exa- an analogy from my own life. This home buying process, it has been extremely exciting. My whole family is in love with the house. Very happy, very excited, very worried that something will fall through, whatever. But overall, it's exciting. Yesterday was inspection day, (laughs) which means, and actually with COVID, it's actually worse because the the prior time, about four years ago, when we went through this process, back when we were poor and realized poor people probably shouldn't buy houses, um, we did the full inspection. Three hours walking around the house, we looked at everything. This time around, he didn't want us there because of COVID. COVID and whatnot, but he said, you know, show up like the last 15 minutes and we'll do a quick walk around, which means every single bad note got compressed into about 15 to 30 minutes. So it really was just like a really quick run around the house saying, this is bad and 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 this is bad. And it it kind of, as much as you want to tell yourself, like, look, these things are minor. This is going to be, you know, X, Y, Z. This is fine. This, we knew this was bad. Like, you know, just, it's okay. You spend the whole day trying to get excited about the house, and it's like, I can't, because it's been nothing but negative, and I'm kind of upset by that. And you're worried your wife is going to say, I don't want the house anymore, so you're trying to be like, look, it's fine. (laughs) It's not a big deal. It's every house. And I kind of feel like it's that way with the Packers, right? We, We got so far removed from back in the day when we were talking, when we were riding high, when we thought the team was unstoppable. Best team in football. Do you remember that? We, ha- we ended the season with a loss, so that was the last thing we saw. And then since then, it's been, well, we, we've got the Why Did You Draft Jordan Love crew that has decided to pop up and just constantly throw that in everybody's face 24-7 because they refuse to acknowledge that there is not a single draft pick on earth that would have helped us to beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They will not let that go. I even heard that on another podcast. I don't know which one it was. It was some national podcast and... You know, you could tell he kind of knew what he was saying was stupid, but he still wouldn't let it go. He's like, you know, I I, I have to assume there was somebody they could have picked that would have helped them beat the Buccaneers. No! No, there is not. No, there is not. Not one. I promise, not one. I'm telling you 1,000%, not one. The people that could have helped them to beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are on the team. It's not a lack of talent. It was the fact that the talent didn't show up. That's the problem, and everybody already knew that. We saw guys that are really talented do nothing, and guys that aren't super talented really, really, really do nothing. Kevin King. Well, he's not that bad. You're right. 
but he was that day. And Zadarius is really good, but he wasn't that day. And, and Rashawn looked promising, but not that day. And Preston has shown some flashes, definitely not that day. And all the wide receivers looked really good, except that day where they dropped everything thrown at them. And the running backs are usually pretty good, except not really that day. They couldn't go anywhere. And the offensive line is usually maybe the best in football, except that day when they couldn't block anybody. And to sit there and watch the offensive line crumble, the defensive line crumble, the wide receivers crumble, the cornerbacks crumble, to watch all these people just completely fall off the planet and say, if Gutekunst would have drafted somebody, we would have beat the Buccaneers and won a Super Bowl. You are trying not to be serious. You're trying really hard to be as dense as you possibly can. Knock it off. I'm, listen, I know I'm being mean. I'm saving you from yourself. I'm saving you from putting out just dozens and dozens of tweets that just are big red banners that say, I'm stupid. That doesn't make sense, and you know it. I know you're mad. You can be mad. You can wish we would have drafted somebody else. That's fine. But do not, do not try to make the case that we could have drafted somebody that would have helped us beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and win the Super Bowl. That was absolutely not the problem. Brian Gutekunst is a guy that built a roster that is the best in football, and he deserves our undying respect for that. The team that is the best in football played like trash. That's on the coaches and the players to figure out why did that happen two years in a row. That is not on Brian Gutekunst. Absolutely not. Didn't mean to go on that tirade, but just, just, the, just the thought of those people popping back up. The people who sat and watched one of the best football teams that they've seen in a very long time eviscerate people. And, and what it is, is it's, there is this anti-Green Bay Packer sentiment out there. And it's been brewing for a few years. And Packer fans are falling into it. And you need to stop playing into their hands. Because those people hate your football team. And you're playing into their hands. But the point is, they pop up all the time, especially in the offseason. Anti-Rodgers, anti-Gudekunst, anti-Packers, all that stuff. I don't know when it started. It was like three years ago or something. It's very weird. But they got real quiet as the season went on because the Packers were clearly dominant, especially after that Titans game, because that was the game where everybody popped up and said, you know what? They've been doing a good job, but they've been playing trash teams. This game, they're going to get annihilated. They can't stop the run, and Derrick Henry's in town, and the Packers are about to get exposed, and the Packers eviscerated Tennessee. And they eviscerated everybody in their path from then on. And it was very clear that the Packers were a very, very, very dominant team. And as soon as they lost to Tampa Bay, oh, did the media just have a feel. They were so happy. They loved the Chiefs. They love Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. They couldn't care less about Buffalo, and they hate Green Bay. This was the greatest day in, in, in their lives. And I don't know why, because most fans in the NFL are just the exact opposite. Generally don't hate the Packers, from my record. I mean, obviously, Vikings, Lions, Bears. Generally don't hate Buffalo, but Kansas City and, and Tom Brady and the Buccaneers? Oh, but I, I don't know. I don't know what it is. But, the man, were they so happy that the Packers, because then they can bring out these nonsense narratives that died. That's the thing. They, it's dead. And they're picking up that narrative's dead body, and they're flapping it around like, ha look at it. It's dead. Like, it's literally dead. And they're flapping around like, look at it, look at it, look at it. It's still here. Ha, 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 ha. 
Dude, I watched it die in the regular season. I watched it die against the Rams when the Packers were favorited, and still the media said, I don't know about that, Chief. I think the Rams are going to gonna smoke them. And again, the Packers would have easily steamrolled this team if they had just played a halfway competent game. If Kevin King wouldn't have fallen asleep, if, if Gary and Preston and, and Kenny Clark and, and Zadarius had done anything halfway competent, if the offensive line had blocked for more than one second, it was, it was a, Tom Brady was a joke in that game. He threw like 19 interceptions. We just dropped them all. And yes, that's unacceptable. But the point is, this is still the roster that could beat anybody any day without any question. And I don't know why they were so bad against Tampa Bay. I have no idea. Again, that's a question for the coaches. Now, does that mean we have to look at Matt LaFleur and go, yeah, why are you garbage? No, we're talking about one of the winningest coaches in NFL history. And the funny thing is that you get these people who have these excuses that keep jumping around. They keep moving the goalposts around in circles. Well, Matt LaFleur's only good because he has the, the, such a good roster. Wait a minute, the roster's good? I thought the roster was bad because Brian Gutekunst sucks. Oh, well, I mean, Gutekunst just inherited a good roster. Oh, <laughs> is that so? No, this is pretty much an entire teardown and rebuild by a Brian Gutekunst. So again, it's, it's, just, it's just, let's try. And I know it's been nothing but negative and nothing but all these things, and it's just been a constant barrage from the negative crowd, as well as things just that we're observing. The, the cap is frustrating. The concerns over Aaron Rodgers are frustrating. But don't let that distract you from the fact, the reality, that this is the best team in football. I'm going to do something. And I'm not sure how long I'm going to do this for, but um, I'm going to play from a previous episode. Just going to let it run for a while, I guess. I don't know. But um, if you want to find it, it was easy for me to find. It's funny because two, two of my episodes were entitled very similar things, but this is from, I believe, January 7th, entitled Everything About This Team Is Special. In December, I had another episode that was something about this team being special. You know why? Because that team was special. So again, I'm going to play, I, I don't know exactly the best place to start from or end, but uh, I'm going to play a snippet. If you want to get revitalized, search the podcast for the word special. There's two episodes in there for you. One of the things I'm having a hard time even keeping up with is making sure I don't leave something out. Um, the amount of holy moly if you will, for this team is just crazy. You know, like the number ones and whatnot. PFF came out with their um, 2020 NFL All-Pro teams, and the amount of Packers on here <laughs> is kind of ridiculous. And so one of the things I was thinking about doing was kind of just actually building out a roster so that there was a visual component to this. And I actually have a pretty cool new thing, so I'm going to be making a YouTube video. I don't know if you watched my... Uh, David Bakhtiari video, but I'm going to utilize that graphic and uh, kind of give it sort of a Pro Bowl feel, I guess. But um, I mean, you it's not just because you look at it and say, okay, well, I mean, there's what, like three? It would be four-ish if, uh, if Bakhtiari wasn't hurt. It's not that many. Yes, it is. For example, Tennessee Titans running back Derrick Henry is the running back. Let's see if we can find any other Tennessee Titans on here. Nope. There is A.J. Brown on the second team, but not first team. Then, So so we got Aaron Rodgers for the Packers. Then we got Derrick Henry, who's the only Titan. Then we get Devontae Adams again. Oh, wow. Two Packers already were just getting started. Second wide receiver is Stephon Diggs out of uh, Buffalo. Tight end, Travis Kelsey, Kansas City. 
flex wide receiver, Kansas City wide receiver Tyreek Hill. So they got two there. They also have uh, defensive lineman Chris Jones, who can't really argue. I guess you could argue, but uh, definitely a dominant defensive lineman. Then you get Trent Williams for the 49ers, Ali Marpet, uh, Tampa Bay, then center Corey Lindsley, Green Bay Packers. Then guard Wyatt Teller, Browns. Right tackle Jack Conklin, Browns. I told you the Browns offensive line is very, very good. Aaron Donald for the Rams, Chris Jones, Chiefs, T.J. Watt, Steelers, Khalil Mack, Bears, linebackers Bobby Wagner, Seattle, Fred Warner, 49ers. So there's been two 49ers, team that's not even in the playoff. Cornerback, Xavier Howard. Cornerback, Jair Alexander, Green Bay Packers. Uh, flex defensive player, Bryce Callahan. So slot corner, basically. Denver Broncos, not in the playoffs. Safety, Jesse Bates, Bengals, not in the playoffs. Safety, Adrian Amos, Green Bay Packers. So that's with losing left tackle David Bakhtiari. We have the number one quarterback, wide receiver, center, cornerback, and safety. Top two, I guess. But they actually came out with their final... Their fi- I think this came out before week 17. After last week's dominant performance by Jair Alexander, he's actually the number one corner in football. He hasn't been number one for a while because his grades were kind of good, not great. So Xavier Howard was the top guy. With that last dominant performance, he ends the season as the number one corner in football. So we officially have number one quarterback, number one wide receiver, number one center, number one tackle, number one corner. Adrian Amos ended the season as the number two safety in football. Remember how at the beginning of the season, I was disappointed? Not just with Amos, who clearly had regressed for the first half of the season, but Darnell Savage, who I predicted would be a breakout player. And it looked like I had massive egg on my face because he had regressed from his rookie year, which was devastating. And it was really upsetting because we had brought in this this guy from Minnesota who I said, man, if he can have some kind of an impact like he had in Minnesota, because that guy's a freak. Everybody that went to Minnesota was a great safety. Didn't matter who it was. They, they, if you go to Minnesota, you're going to be a great safety. Coach I'm referring to is Jerry Gray, by the way, defensive backs coach. I believe that's what he was with Minnesota, too. But it was, it was upsetting because it's like, man, it just and, – and granted, things take time, you know, and, and maybe there's sort of some new things that Jerry Gray is trying to teach him, which is sort of a teardown and rebuild kind of a situation, which, um, you know, whatever. But it was just a little bit disappointing to see guys that you know are better than this that are, just aren't – I mean, same thing we're saying with Zadarius and Kenny and all that stuff, right? Guys are regressing, and they're just not picking up that steam. Here's a, a fun little little tidbit for you, one of the many tidbits that I found – uh, this one I'm not going to forget about. Several others will just be lost in the Twitterverse forever. I looked at um, Jair and Adrian Amos to, or not Jair, uh, Savage and Amos, because I wanted to see the difference between the start of the season and the end of the season. Because obviously there's a gap. I knew they started off slow. I didn't really know, um, and I didn't want to be biased like a lot of people and say, since week uh, nine and a half, you know, nonsense like that, or, or since week six for Amos and week nine for Savage. No, halfway, right at the halfway mark. Eight games and eight games. By the way, if you follow me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy, or if you are a uh, follower of the Cheese and Packers Facebook page, you already saw this graphic. But in the first half of the season, the first eight games of the season, Adrian Amos was ranked as the 22nd best safety in football. So barely a number one safety. Darnell Savage was 79th. He was just flat out bad. 
And again, through eight weeks of the season, when you've got a white-hot offense, you're looking at the saying, this defense isn't going to be good enough, right? It's just not. You got Jair and kind of nothing after that. Do you have any idea? Obviously, I'm talking to the people that don't know right now. What the rank of Darnell Savage and Adrian Amos are in the second half of the season, last eight weeks, Adrian Amos is the number one safety in football. Probably not too surprising because he ended number two. Darnell Savage is the number two safety in football. In the last eight weeks of the season, we have the number one and number two safeties in football, as well as the number one corner, quarterback, wide receiver, center. And we have like three top ten running backs right now, and that's not an exaggeration. Um, In the last eight weeks, I think I looked it up, uh, Dylan isn't officially ranked when you use the filters because he hasn't carried it enough, although he has graded out higher than, than most, probably maybe higher than all three. I'm not sure. Let me just look so I stop sounding like a moron. So yeah, with the filters on, Aaron Jones is the number five overall running back. Jamal Williams is number nine, and I'm filtering it by running grade. In other words, their ability to run the football. Their grades, and I'm only doing this because I'm going to remove the filter and I want to see where they compare to A.J. Dillon. Um, Aaron Jones is an 83.6 at number five. Jamal is an 81.6 at number nine. So 81 and 83, roughly. A.J. Dillon, with no filter at all, is the number six overall with an 86.1, ahead of Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. So you got to finagle a little bit for all three of them to be top ten. But if we give A.J. Dillon the benefit of the doubt that we don't give any of these other guys that don't have enough snaps, then we have three top ten guys. That one I'm being a little iffy on. But I just, again, I you know, not a bad situation that the Packers are in. And um, it's not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. It's not perfect. But I will say, and by the way, Rashawn is now, after two elite games, getting himself up there. Let's take a look at that. Rashawn has basically caught up to Zadarius Smith as far as overall grade. They are now ranked 19th and 21st in the last eight weeks of the season. Still not overall super great. But again, Rashawn especially um, was down at the very bottom. I mean, bottom, bottom, bottom of the barrel and two absolutely dominant elite performances, especially against the run, have launched him from one of the, literally one of the worst edge rushers in football to number 21 overall. Zedarius, again, number 19 overall. And if you look at the uh, the pressure, again, Rashawn is a freak. His grades aren't that great. 30 pressures on 187 attempts. 16%. That's that's almost where Zadarius was last year when he was one of the greatest pass rushers, had had one of the greatest pass rush seasons of, of anybody. Those are the kind of numbers Rashawn Gary is putting up. And by the way, his elite grades are almost entirely because of his run defense. So again, we'll, we'll cut it off there if you want to go back and listen to the whole episode. I, I just found a snippet. But the point is, there was a time not super long ago where we all just got together and talked about, dude, this team is crazy good crazy good and the Packers did essentially what Tampa did but nobody wants and and that's let's let's talk about that for a second the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are a good team they didn't do anything but re-sign their own guys and everyone's like dude watch out this team is crazy the Packers also had a very good team they basically did the same thing they brought back their own guys to quote run it back and everyone's like, what a bunch of dummies, dude. They didn't even do anything. All they did is resign them. Guys, stupid, stupid. It's the same thing. But again, 
Nobody from the media is going to give us any credit, so we have to be smart enough to recognize these things. We got to be smart enough to say, you know what? If Tampa Bay is smart for running it back, so are we. If it's smart to bring back guys in a year in which your team was dominant, and we're talking about one of the best Packers teams we've seen I, I, in a very, very, very long time, yeah, I think running it back makes sense. And that's what we did. Again, if we had a little bit more money when we brought somebody in, yeah. But we also have a GM that's done an extremely good job drafting. And, and complain about that all you want and say that it's not true all you want. The only people who hate, absolutely hate, Brian Gutekunst's ability to draft are, number one, people that can't get over the idea that you would draft for the future, which every single team in the NFL does that, or the fact that we would draft for a quarterback, which is without any question the most important position in football, which is kind of baffling to me, or people who have no idea of, of context who live in such a Packers-centric bubble, and I think most very angry Packer fans live in a bubble. They have no idea about any other team. And they just see good little pieces from every other team, and they think that that's, that's you know, just the embodiment of everything, right? Uh, what is his name? Brian Bean or something? What, what's the guy's name in Buffalo? Brandon Bean? Brandon Bean, right? Greatest GM in the NFL, super freak, guys crazy, like... Gutekunst can't hold a candle to that guy. He's so good because he apparently got Josh Allen or something. I don't know. The last two years, his first picks have been Ed Oliver and A.J. Epinesa. Both of those guys are hot garbage. And, and again, I'm not saying all of his picks are bad. Not by a long shot. I'm not even saying he's bad at drafting, necessarily. But if this is the standard, let me read you his, his 2020 picks. And you tell me how much Brian Gutekunst is an idiot. Because he should be drafting like this. A.J. Epinesa, Zach Moss, Gabriel Davis, Jack, uh, Jake Fromm, Tyler Bass, Isaiah Hodgins, and Dane Jackson. How many of those names do you even know? I think Zach Moss is a good running back. That's about it. A.J. Epinesa has been terrible. Gabe Davis, I don't think even plays. Jake Fromm is a quarterback, God forbid. Imagine having a quarterback and drafting Jake Fromm. <laughs> Tyler Bass is a kicker. How dare you draft? I mean, he drafted a kicker. He drafted a kicker. Why? And we, we're, te- we're saying this guy's a good GM. Now, if Brian Gutekunst were to draft a kicker, we'd, th- we'd have a riot. And the thing is, it's not just the fans. The fans not only don't support their team, the media doesn't. I should say it the other way around. The media laughs at them, and then the fans who idolize the media, who don't know what they're talking about, allow the media to tell you what you th- should think of your own team and your own GM. Don't do that. Nobody is criticizing the Buffalo GM for kicking, uh, picking a kicker. And by the way, I really doubt Buffalo Bills fans are either. And they shouldn't be. I'm not saying they should be. Isaiah Hodgins and Dane Jackson, I, I don't know. I, I never heard of them. If, if they were making highlight reels, I didn't see them. Who's the stud? Zach Moss? So they got one guy in the third round. They didn't get anybody in the first round because they didn't have a first round pick. Their second round pick didn't work out at all. They got one guy in the third round, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, just burn it. 2019 draft, Ed Oliver, first round, ninth overall. The guy is horrific. One of the worst defensive tackles in football. Cody Ford, I think, is pretty good. Their second round pick. Devin Singletary, the running back. I mean, if you want to know how good he is, they just drafted another running back in the third round who's going to be the new running back. So that didn't pan out. Dawson Knox, the tight end. How's he doing? Voshan Joseph in the fifth round. Anybody know who that is? Jaquan Johnson, Daryl Johnson, Tommy Sweeney. Any of these guys really just tearing it up? The answer is no. So basically, his claim to fame in the last three years is Josh Allen and Zach Moss. 
hilariously, his, maze of, his major claim to fame is a quarterback that he was mocked and ridiculed for until he broke out. That was, that was a joke of a pick. Everybody thought Josh Allen was a joke. He's, he's, he's fool's gold. You know, he's, he's, he's just that big, lumbering, strong-arm guy. Wow, he can throw it 70 yards from his knees. Big deal. He still sucks. Everybody mocked the quarterback pick till it panned out. Anyways, I forgot to take a break. Why don't we do that? We'll pick up right where we left off. Uh, as always, patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. Submit any and all questions any way that you can. Twitter, um, there is that uh, Facebook thing still active, whatever. I've had several people reach out and send me questions. Just just send them. Just keep, just send it, man. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. And we're back. Um, by the way, forgot to mention this. If by chance you were listening to that clip, uh, the podcast from January, and you heard what sounded like, maybe while I was sitting here just kind of letting that record and run through, I decided it would be a good idea to watch a little offensive tackle tape until I remember that all audio was bleeding through and being recorded. If that's what you think that I was doing, then shame on you. I would never. <laughs> Oopsie daisy. But again, the, the point is, and I've said this before, if you're upset about the Packers, simply take a tour through the NFL. I'm, I'm tempted to say don't make any critique of Brian Gutekunst or Matt LaFleur without first looking at every, uh, I'm not saying pick one, because people will cherry pick. Oh, you think he's a good coach? What about this coach? Oh, you think he's a good GM? Well, let's look at this other GM for a different team. No, same teams. 32 teams. Look at 32 teams' quarterbacks. Wide receivers, and, and I have to do this for everything. When we, we complain about the wide receiver situation, let's compare ours to everybody else's. Blah, 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 blah. And, and again, I don't disagree that we could use a wide receiver. I'm fine with it. But the, the, again, the national media narrative that the Packers are in desperate need of a wide receiver is stupid. I mean, it really is just like caveman level stupid. No offense to, to cavemen, but they were pretty dumb. But again, the, the, the idea here is anytime you have a critique, and that's fine to have a critique, just make sure it's, it's the proper context. There are areas where the Packers are uniquely in a bad position, but it's almost never as bad as we tend to think it is. Again, if I go back to the home inspection analogy, it's not that some of these things aren't relatively serious, but as I told my wife, I think if we were to go into all these houses in this neighborhood and do an inspection, or for that matter, do the inspection in our rental Holy, we would never move into this rental that we've been living in for like five years now. Because it would be like, oh, this thing is just going to cave in on us and we're going to touch the wrong thing and it's going to combust and just burst into flames because the, electric the electrical is just horrible. And anytime we talk to homeowners about it, they're like, yes, that's normal. 
houses have issues and you're going to have to deal with that. So the point is, yes, this team has issues. Every single team has issues. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, should we go through their team? Even though we watched Tom Brady play like garbage against the Packers and throw 15 interceptions, should we go through them anyways just to, to talk about how it's not a perfect team? Because I, I, I get the impression some people think that that's what the problem is. There's like seven or eight perfect teams, another five or six really, really, really good teams, and then you got the Packers that are just like, you know, we got a couple of good players, but otherwise it's just trash, and our quarterback is stupid, and our GM, or not our quarterback, <laughs> some people, our, our coach is stupid because he can't get the guys ready for games, and the GM can't draft and makes dumb decisions, and he didn't go all in, whatever that means. Like, it's just, it's a, such a skewed perspective. And the funny thing, again, again, is if I asked you to name the players on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, team, could you do it? The answer pretty largely is probably not. Their highest graded wide receiver was Chris Godwin, who ranked 35th in the NFL. We need wide receivers, but apparently they don't. Okay. If you listen to that clip, remember I said you could argue the Packers had three top 10 running backs. The best running back Tampa Bay had was Ronald Jones, who ranked 25th. Leonard Fournette was 47th, right? Lombardi Lenny, right? 47th in the NFL. Congratulations, Lombardi Lenny. Ronald Jones, 25th. Rob Gronkowski was 16th. They had two really good offensive linemen and guard Ali Marpet and uh, Tristan Wirfs, 8th and 7th respectively. Granted, we had the number one center and the number one tackle and a bunch of other talented guys, but hey, they had two guys ranked in the top 10, so congrats to them. Not exactly the Packers offensive line, but it's something. Their center was 19th. Their other guard was 22nd, and their uh, other tackle, Donovan Smith, is 35th. Best quarter cornerback that they have, the guy that got all the praise uh, despite Jair being better, Jamal Dean, 12th. Jair first. They also have uh, Carlton Davis, who is 46th, and Sean Murphy Bunting, who is 68th. Safeties. Again, down the stretch, the Packers had the number one and number two safeties. And considering the NFC Championship game is technically, quote-unquote, down the stretch, as in in the back half of the season, they have Mike Edwards, 9th, Jordan Whitehead, 26th, and Anton Winfield, 35th. Linebackers. Well, they got the best linebackers in football. Levante David is 4th. Freak. Devin White, 62nd out of 83. We've gone through all his stats and everything. We, he runs fast. He makes a lot of highlight real stuff. He has a billion mistakes, and the media will never highlight any of those, ever. Gave up more yards than just about any linebacker in all of football. That's, that's what they have at linebacker. Highest-graded uh, defensive tackle is Vita Vea, who missed a bunch of time. And Dominican Sue, who is now gone, ranks 67th. William Golston, the guy everyone else is really afraid of, this dominant defensive line, ranks 70th. Edge rushers, Shaquille Barrett is 22nd, Jason Pierre-Paul 50th. That's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, the, the coaches put it together in quite a spectacular fashion. By the way, Tom Brady's second highest graded quarterback behind Aaron Rodgers. They put it together, man. They really had a great game plan, especially that defensive coordinator taking that group, which is not the best in the world, and making it pretty hard to play against. And again, I'm not just saying that to say that. I, I told you how dominant the Bears' defense was in 2018. If I'm going to lie about a team, I'm going to lie about that team. Well, they're not that good. No, they were. I said in 2019 they're not as good. 2018 they were. And I said as much. I didn't just lie and say they're bad because I didn't like them. I'm just reading. I'm just, you want, I, I, what do you want me to do? Again, the point is, the opportunity was there. It's not that Tampa is this elite team and the Packers just aren't on their level. That's stupid. 
the Packers were the better team. We had the better quarterback, the better offensive line. We had better pass rushers. We got better corners. We had a better wide receiver, better running backs at home, in the snow, our environment, our house, with, with fans in the stands. But they just crumble under pressure. And that's a problem. It's not a talent problem. It's not a GM doesn't know how to get talent problem because he does. We have a lot of talent. Stacked, 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 stacked with talent. And guess what? This GM who's gone out and basically built this roster, this dominant elite roster from the ground up in just a couple years, is about to uh, launch into the draft again. Not promising anything. I'm just saying, let's keep a proper perspective. He might have a terrible draft, but we don't have any information that points to him having a terrible draft. If you want to just guess and say, I'm guessing he will, despite having been good, that's fine. I don't know why you would do that other than just being negative for the sake of being negative. Did you listen to that last clip about Rashawn Gary at about 16% down the stretch? In other words, down the last half of the season, Rashawn Gary was looking like 2019 Zadarius. And what, I'm supposed to pout? <laughs> about the number one and number two safeties, the number one corner, number one quarterback, number one center, number one tackle. A.J. Dillon graded out higher than Aaron Jones, but Aaron Jones was like the number six running back in football. Both of those guys are going to be on the field at the same time. A.J. Dillon in his second year ever, and his first opportunity to really shine. By the way, when both of those guys were on the field, it was a dominant performance, and I think we're going to be seeing a lot of that. And what, I'm going to pout because we drafted, uh, we drafted a quarterback? The picks that came after us, Jordan Brooks, linebacker in Seattle. That's a joke. I shouldn't say that. He might still turn out to be good, but didn't turn out very well. After that linebacker, Patrick Queen, literally one of the worst linebackers in football. If we had drafted Patrick Queen, Packer fans to this day would still be excited. And all the people that are hating on Jordan Love would be on the defense. Well, what should we have done? Drafted quarterback? (laughs) Tennessee Titans drafted Isaiah Wilson. Have you seen the drama of that? Would have been great, right? To have a tackle. Would have been right tackle. The guy's out of the league. He's done. He's out of here. He's a psychopath. Miami Dolphins drafted Noah Igbenogany, the corner. He ended the season with a 37 overall PFF grade. Jeff Gladney, the Vikings cornerback, ended with a 50.1 overall PFF grade. Some of the very few corners that actually were worse than um, Kevin King happened to be the corners that were drafted after him. And again, that's not to say that they don't become good corners later. But as far as the argument they would have helped us beat Tampa Bay, I highly doubt that. The last pick in the first round was Clyde Edwards-Alaire, and everybody threw a fit when we drafted a running back. And by the way, Clyde Edwards-Alaire did not grade out as well as A.J. Dillon did. Only one other rookie running back did grade higher than A.J. Dillon, and it was not Clyde Edwards-Alaire. In fact, I don't even know if he was a top five. I did a top five video. If you want to go check it out, it's a fun little highlight video, but uh, I don't think Clyde was in that group. So the point is, chin up, right? We can have questions. We can have concerns. That's fine. But keep the proper context. If you were the GM of this team, we probably wouldn't have got to the NFC Championship game. If I was the if I was Brian Gutekunst, we would not have gotten to the NFC Championship game. I would have not gotten Zadarius Smith. Certainly would have not re- drafted Rashawn or Darnell Savage. We might have Amos. We would not have Billy Turner. Would not have gotten AJ Dillon. Certainly would not have gotten Kamal Martin because I didn't like him at all and he was one of the better performers for our team. Josiah DeGuara, I would not have drafted. I now really, really like Josiah DeGuara. I was a huge fan of K.J. Hamler. He was horrific last year. But I would have been praised for drafting him much more. If I would have drafted, the media would have loved my draft. 
But again, that doesn't mean anything. Stop letting the media tell you what to think of your team. Most of those guys, number one, don't know your team as well as you do. Number two, they don't like your team as much as you do. Many of them seem to really dislike the team. They dislike Aaron Rodgers. They're starting to really dislike the fan base because they've been trying to come out with all this Rodgers controversy and we keep calling them stupid. And then they can keep end up be, can keep ending up looking stupid. That's a heck of a sentence there. And that makes them mad. So then they have this vendetta because a lot of them are so massively ego-driven that if they make a claim and look stupid and we keep throwing it in their face, their entire goal is to come at us. And I, I tend to think for a lot of them, that's what it is. They keep bringing up Aaron Rodgers drama. They keep looking stupid. We keep calling them stupid and they get mad. No, I'm not stupid. I'm, I'm so-and-so. I'm, I'm a bigwig. I know my stuff. You guys are the stupid ones. You're the backwoods, hillbilly, redneck Packer fans that don't know what you're talking about, despite the fact that I've been wrong every single time and you bunch of monkeys don't know what you're talking about bunch of zoo animals, you know, you guys are stupid, even though you're right every single time, you dumb, ignorant Packer fans still are not on my level. How dare you talk down to me? I'm above you. And so they don't like us very much. And that's fine. But stop jumping on their bandwagon. Whenever they come out and say your team is stupid and should have done this, if you want to form that opinion, fine. If your opinion happens to line up with one of their opinions, that's not a problem. You don't have to disagree with them just because they're stupid. Although it's generally a safe bet. <laughs> if you're trying to figure out the right opinion, find out what theirs is and say the opposite and at least start from that standpoint. Sometimes I agree with some of the stuff they say, and I've, I've publicly said that on the podcast. I think sometimes they're right. But don't let them dictate to you what your opinion should be. Have an informed opinion, and, and an informed opinion starts by every time you get frustrated, analyze that against all 32 teams. It's not going to take that long. You can go on Google and you can look up team rosters if you don't have PFF. And I think PFF even gives some of their information away for free. You can find the stuff. If you want to look at stats, if you want to look at whatever, or just look at the names. A lot of times you look at the names and just go, who is that? Exactly. Because we build up in our mind what a great team should look like, and our team doesn't look like that. But the point is, if you go look at any other team, find one team that looks like that, you're not going to find one. We assume Tampa Bay's elite because the media won't stop talking about them and because they won the Super Bowl, but then you go look at their roster and it's like, I don't know, who are those? I don't know, it's not that good. Jason Pierre-Paul, are you kidding me? That's kind of like when uh, Prince of Mukamura went to Chicago and in 2018 he was one of the best corners in football. And it's like, I okay, I mean, he's real good, but dude, Prince of Mukamura, He's been as perfectly average of a corner as has ever been in the history of the NFL. He's never been bad. I mean, he's just been consistently decent, which are the guys that I love and appreciate. Like, if you want to get me a number two guy, give me that guy that grades out as a solid 70 every year. I'm perfectly fine with that. I don't need 90s. Just keep away from the 50s. You know, you give up about 50 yards and no touchdowns every single, you know, maybe like a pass breakup here and there. Dude, I'm good with that. One or two picks a season. Perfect. But he just blew up. But we didn't all just gather around and go, dude, Prince is the greatest ever. Because, you know, he's not. And so when you project a regression, because he's not generally that good, especially when the defensive coordinator leaves, it makes sense. Jason Pierre-Paul, now he didn't even grade out that well, so I, I don't even have a reason to say he's going to regress because he's not. He's just the same, going to be the same guy. But he's just, he's, he's an over-the-hill, mediocre pass rusher. That's all he is. It's a beatable team. It's a decent roster. It's not what everyone's going to tell you that it is. And I'll tell you what, if you even want help, or if you disagree, like, okay, but what about this team? What about this GM? What about the... Ask me, and I'll look into it. 
because I, you know, I haven't looked at every single thing from every single angle ever, but that's generally my process when somebody says this is where we struggle is to just look at a broad scope of everybody else. And again, as I said, there's not, it's, it's true that there are areas where the Packers struggle more so than other teams. But every team has areas where they struggle more than any other team, right? They, they, they've got your weaknesses. You've got your strengths. Some teams have more strengths. Some teams have more weaknesses. That's why some teams go to the NFC Championship game. And some, games, some teams haven't been to the playoffs in 15 years. But this is, this was last year a team that was capable of winning the Super Bowl. They didn't lose because they're not good enough. They lost because there's four teams all capable of winning a Super Bowl and only one can. And next year, the Packers are going to be one of those teams again. And hopefully they can. Hopefully they can get over the hump. That's it. That's all I got to say. Anyways, you folks have yourselves a fantastic Tuesday. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.